kind of studying a little bit through, uh, you know, it's a Baptist church, and, and some people don't even realize we're a Baptist church. We get that from time to time. And some people don't care that we're a Baptist church. Now, we're going to spend a few weeks, I, probably next week, I'm just going to go into the exciting, but, but I think really fascinating, truly, about how, how Baptist came to be. You may not care, but since you are a Baptist church, it's important. And so what I'm going to do tonight is just talk about how we function in a practical or, or in a sense of what we call governance. I don't really like the word, but how we make decisions and things of that nature. Polity, uh, what we call... Uh, to some degree, ecclesiology, uh, which is a fancy term to how we operate, which is important because tonight we're having a business meeting uh, right after. We, and so that'd be kind of cool to see how it functions theoretically. Um, and so in scripture, you know, we have these things called churches and, uh, and churches have to function and churches have to be organized. You can't, if you don't have organization, it's pure chaos. So we have some way of functioning and doing things, what we call basically how to govern. Uh, I remember when I was a very young pastor, a young minister in the early eighties, I was not a, not a senior pastor yet. Uh, I was a youth minister and then associate but in Southern Baptist life, in our world, there's this great controversy went on about who is the authority of the local church. Some of you may remember that. There was a lot of controversies going on. And I remember there was this battle of who was the spiritual authority in the church. And, of course, there were some, mainly pastors, who said pastors were the spiritual authority. And then there was another group who said, no, it's not the pastors, it's the congregation. And, and a lot of times it ended up the deacons thought they were the spiritual authority. I heard that discussion, too, which there's no biblical evidence for at all. And I thought it was a fascinating thing because nowhere in all of the New Testament do they ever discuss who's the authority of anything but Jesus. I mean, the question to Jesus was, what authority do you have these things? Then he said, all authority is mine. You know, I preached that last week. All authority is mine. Everything authority belongs to Jesus. And we, I think, forgot for a little while, not for long, because there was a large number of people who kind of stood that back, that the fundamental purpose in life of a church is not who's the authority, but who is serving, who serves, and how do we serve? And one of the things that I learned early on, I was very fortunate to learn this. I had some very good mentors and teachers. Is that my, as your pastor, I am a servant to the church. I'm a servant to Christ, but I am your servant. Now, you put me in a position to serve you as a pastor, but my still fundamental task is servant. If you ever understand what a, a shepherd does, the role of a shepherd, uh, the shepherd serves the sheep. That's what he does. He does two things. He protects them from harm. And he guides them so they can find places to eat and to grow. I mean, he, he provides leadership. They follow him. But fundamentally, he serves them. His, his, his responsibility is to protect them. If they're attacked, he puts his life between the life of the enemy and the sheep. He, he is willing to sacrifice himself. And I think, you know, we, we have forgotten somewhere along the way as pastors that our primary responsibility is to shepherd. Uh, but I think all of us have forgotten that when we see words that talk about what we do, who we are, really the idea is, is serving. And uh, when, when we look at church governance, what that is, and I'm going to come to some passages, there's, in, in the life of the Christian church as a whole, there's three forms. There is what we call the bishopry way of doing it, where there's somebody from the top down, the Catholics have pope, uh, cardinals, bishops, priests, etc. Uh, Methodists, I think, do it that way. Anglicans do it that way. So there's, there's an authoritative line. Uh, I told you last week, Baptist churches are autonomous. We answer to no one. But those other churches aren't autonomous. They answer somewhere up. Then there are churches who have what we call elders. That there's an elder board or group that, that 
of a small group that kind of leads them and, and makes the decisions and governs them. Uh, sometimes those churches are part of a larger ecclesiastical group. Sometimes they're independent and, and autonomous like we are, still have elders. And some churches, like traditionally Baptists, fall in this group, consider themselves congregational, that the ultimate people who make decisions is the congregation. And it's, it's a fascinating to see all the different groups argue for why they're correct yeah, and which group has the, the right avenue. Um, what I find thoroughly interesting in Baptist life now is more and more Baptist churches have elders. When I was a young pastor, the idea of a Baptist church having elder was, was almost like heresy. You could have been kicked out. And a few churches, you know, if a pastor brought that up, he would probably be fired. To this day, if you were in the deep south or along the eastern seaboard, uh, Baptist churches and the concept of elders is hard to grasp. In parts of Texas in uh, West, elders are well common. In, in um, Las Cruces, the other two, the two other churches that are Baptist churches that are larger, uh, both have elders. Um, most all the churches we plant, every church I partnered with, even the one in Atlanta, all have elders. They, 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 that's just it's moving that I find it fascinating that the North American Mission Board basically understands that is the model of church planning. You have a pastor and elders. It's fascinating that Southern Baptists have come to that place. I have no problem with it because the truth be known, the single most biblical concept of pastoring is elders answering to a congregation. It is a combination of those things. It is congregational that the church has the ultimate say in how they direct themselves, but they do elect elders of which the pastor is the senior of all elders. And so I'm going to share with you some scripture that interesting about how things do it, how things are, how we do things. Talk about a Baptist life and how the officers that we tend to have, we don't have elders in our church. Someone in a business meeting one time said something about, uh, we're electing trustees tonight. And uh, someone made a comment about that we were electing elders. And I quickly <laughs> corrected them <laughs> that we don't have elders. That we have trustees and they're not the same. And if you're a trustee, don't you ever forget it. <laughs> it's not the same thing. You're not elders. We have no elders. And we don't elect them. So it's just not there. So that's not our, our way we function, which is okay. We have a bylaws and constitution that tells us how to do that. In Timothy, there's a fascinating passage combined with Titus. And I'll talk to you about something about a pastor. First Timothy chapter 3, it says, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. If you aspire to the work of overseer, that's me. Uh, the word overseer, the Greek word, is episkopos. We get our term episcopal from it, episcopalian. And, and oftentimes, instead of overseer, it's translated bishop. And the mindset that, that you, people automatically think when they hear that is of a bishop like you would find in a Methodist church or an Episcopal church, that, that rules. And that's really not it. We translate that the word is really overseer, and it's the one that has oversight, not control, not necessarily the one who uh, dictates, but they oversee what's happening. It's a function that they have. And we wouldn't understand from the New Testament, the church puts them there. They don't seize control. It's not a dictatorship. The, the most likely understanding that we see is the church has someone from within their congregation back then. They didn't, y'all called me from someplace else. That wasn't how they did it back then. They called them from within their congregation. They had someone who was going to serve the church as the overseer. And the qualifications of the overseer are quite fascinating. Listen very carefully to what the qualifications of an overseer are. They must be above reproach. Well, so we 
prefer not to look at that one too closely in this particular case. The husband of one wife, she's the only one. Temperate, I don't know what that means. Prudent, I don't know what that means. Respectable, well, that, you know, in a nutshell, that's me. Hospitable, okay, so I'm working on that one. Able to teach, no, I'm good at that. Not addicted to wine, that's no problem for me, or pugnacious. I don't know why they link those two together. I'm not even sure what pugnacious means. But gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, You know, I was in jest. But what do those say? Those speak of a person who does what? Who serves, right? It doesn't speak of someone who is in the authority over someone. It speaks of someone whose task is to serve others. And that's a critical thing to understand. In our life, we ought to look at one another as serving one another. And, and that's exactly how it should be. And then it, it goes on to say a little bit more. Uh, he must manage his own household well, keeping his children under control with dignity. That means when they're young, they're not rascals. That's what that means. When they get old, yes, they're out of this. Once they hit a certain age, they're no longer my concern how they act. Uh, to all of our staff guys, you, all of your kids, decision choice, are technically fall under this, so keep them in line a little bit better than you are, I guess. And notice this, they're not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation curve of the devil. In other words, you've got to be careful that you don't get someone too young or too new to the faith because they get a little cocky. I started ministry when I was 19. I was cocky. Trust me. Still cocky, but it comes with a certain amount of age, it's more respectable. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. He will not fall into reproach and snare with the devil. But have to have a good reputation with other people. And, and so think about what you're talking about. You're talking about someone who serves. Now, notice the next. And then deacons likewise. Now, use the word deacons because we understand in Baptist life, there's two primary officers. Uh, we call them officers for lack of a better term. It's a horrible term. We ought to call them servants. In fact, I think we should just change every, all that to servants, but it's officers. And the other is deacons. Here's the thing about deacons. The word deacon comes from the Greek word for ministry, to serve. Deacons, the only understanding of a deacon that exists in the New Testament is servant. There is no other understanding. And it's only used technically as far as we I told you last concern here in Philippians 1 where they just mentioned. But notice what it says about deacons. They must likewise, just like the senior, just like the, 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 the episcopos, the senior pastor, the overseer, they must likewise be men of dignity. Tony, got that one? Okay. Not double-tongued. In other words, you know what that means. Or addicted to much wine. I guess you can be addicted to a little bit of wine. I don't know what that means. Or fond of sordid game. But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men also must first be tested then let them serve as servants. That's what that means. Let them serve as servants. If, if they are beyond reproach. We, we forget that part a lot. Then verse 11 says, women. Now, most, some of you will say wives. But the word, it's an interesting thing in Greek. The word for wife and woman is the exact same word. There is no distinction. It is the context that determines it. We like to translate it the wives of the deacons. Because it fits the way we Baptists do things. But technically, it's just women. Women 
must likewise be dignified, not malicious scoffers, but temperate, faithful in all things. So that, that some think that, that this speaks of women who were deacons, who would minister to other women and how they ought to be. We like to say that they're the wives of deacons. Either way, there's the qualification. And deacons also must be the husband of only one wife and good manager of their children, etc., etc. Verse 13, those who have served, notice, served well as deacons, attain for them a high standard of great confidence. So notice, when you see overseer deacon, what is it that you see? Service, service, service. That's our task, is to serve. It does not say to rule over people. Now, in Baptist life, the way, and I'm going to talk to one time, the way we understand things is that we have a congregation that ultimately decides the church does things. But because the congregations tend to be large and not able to meet, they pass responsibility off. You have passed the primary responsibility of leading and guiding this church to your pastors. How you've done this in your bylaws and your job descriptions is me. Of the understanding that I'm accountable to you for all that I do, you've also set up some sub church groups to hold me accountable. Finance committee, they're going to make a report. Uh, David's chair of the finance committee. Their job is to hold me accountable in the staff, but you know, we're the most senior pastor for how the money is handled to make sure I follow all those stewardship principles that are in there. Personnel committee is a subset of the church. I answer to them about how I conduct my life and, and, and help me hold me accountable to these things and how I deal with other issues. Uh, we have trustees who aren't mentioned in Scripture, but because of the way we do things in America as a corporation, you need to have those to protect yourself. Uh, Bruce is the chair of that. They hold me accountable for how we do things legally. You have subgroups that hold me responsible for those things. I am to serve you that way. That's how Baptist churches function. That's how we have set a course. Now, some Baptist churches have elders. So, and I'll come to how elders function in a minute. So, some pastors work with the elders. And so, there's a subgroup there that hold each other accountable. But that group of elders is all held accountable still to the church. We are always held accountable to you. We're going to have a business meeting a little bit. That's us being held accountable. We're going to be held accountable for the finances. We're going to be held accountable for some other things. We're going to bring to the church major issues. You decide who the trustees are. You're going to decide that. I'm going to bring a couple of recommendations. I'm going to ask your permission. And you're either going to grant that permission to me or you're going to deny that permission to me. That is your decision. That's how we function. No subgroup takes control of the church. And that is always the danger. And one of the problems, and I'm just, now I'm going to be blunt as I can be, in Baptist life, and why some Baptist life suffer, is subgroups take control. And deacons are one of the great examples. Now, I've not had that problem here or any church that I've pastored. I've never had any trouble with the deacons doing that. I've had trouble with one or two trying to. But fortunately, uh, the Lord you know, did not allow that to happen. None of it here. <clears throat> one guy, but other than that one guy, nobody else here. I've had churches say that as that I, I've had, I've interviewed with churches that, that in their things that I would come before the deacons and give an account of how I did things. And I just took my name out and said, I'm not doing that because the reason for that is very simple. The Bible doesn't give them that authority. And I'm not going to let the church do it instead, or most likely they wrote the bylaws that allow them to do that instead. If there was a group of elders I would do that because the church, the Bible does give elders that responsibility. 
but I'm not going to let a, a group other than that because it's not biblical. Even if the church gives them that because they've lost sight. Now, I tell you these things because I want you to understand. When you hear churches struggle and churches fight, and some of you have come from churches that had that, it's probably because when they decided to make decisions, there was conflict. And they didn't properly understand their roles. They didn't understand, nor did they seek service. And that's the main thing you should consider. Titus is fascinating because we Baptists don't read Titus very often. We don't preach from Titus very often. And the reason is because Titus has these things called elders. And we, we don't want to have to skip that. But it's like the first thing they do. So right off the bat. And by the way, both Timothy and Titus were written because the churches where they were at had problems. In Timothy, the problem at the church of Ephesus was false teachers who were overseers and deacons. The only reason we know anything about deacons in there is because they were causing problems. That's pure and simple. Otherwise, it was good to go. Titus had a problem with the church he was at in Crete. <laughs> and so in verse 5, he says, For this reason I left you in Crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed to Paul's actually directing Paul's exercising authority, but he's an apostle. He can do that. Ain't no apostles left. So we ain't doing that. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe not, uh, accused of uh, dissipation or rebellion. And then he says this for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. So he links overseer, which he talks about in Timothy, Episcopos, that's me, with the elders. Technically, I'm an elder. Now, we don't have that function, so I'm not, and I would never use that, and, and I don't ever want anyone to ever call me Elder David, because that just sounds wrong, not only as a Baptist, but of a man of my youth. But you notice what they did there. Now, we, we just skip over that. The reason I'm pointing that out to you is because a lot of Baptist churches are going to elders. Now, a lot of Baptists are uncomfortable with that, and I get it. And I had no problem. And I mean, someone ever asked, well, I'll ever try to bring elders somewhere. And I said, no, I'll never do that. And, and, and a lot, maybe if, if I was going to go plant and start a brand new church, I might do that. But rest assured, I'm never going to try to introduce elders here. I, I'm, I just, I got too many other things in my life to worry about than that. Everything's going okay. I have this tennis, I have this philosophy. I ain't going to go beg and borrow trouble if I don't have it. So I'm not going to do all that. But I understand why churches do, and I understand why Baptists, a lot of Baptists aren't comfortable with that, and I totally get that, I, I 100. But I want you to understand that because that's a reality. Now, the reason I share all these things with you, especially some of you that are new, because you read in the Bible about things that we don't have. You read, you'll read about elders. Well, we don't have elders. Why don't we have elders? Because as a church that is purely congregational in our style, we have adopted a more traditional Baptist way of doing things that instead of having elders, we simply function as a congregation, but we will give task to groups like committees and councils to function in place of the group as a whole to bring reports back and let the group make decisions. And as all churches should do, you have decided to have a overseer, an episkopos, uh, for the purpose of serving you in the primary role that Timothy has received that Paul lays out uh, as the overseer who serves you in preaching and providing guidance of a pastor. So that's kind of how we operate and how we function things. So uh, the one thing I really haven't mentioned is the, the authoritative down model that you see among uh, uh, 
Catholics and Methodists and others, and, and really because that's never going to be an issue in Baptist life, and because I would also say there simply is no scriptural rationale for doing that, none whatsoever. Um, it just doesn't, there, there isn't a top-down mentality. The mentality is the local church. And now, back then, they were, the local church was an entire city or community broken up in smaller groups. That's fine. But the locality, and they, they really govern themselves under the authority of the Holy Spirit. So I you want to stop there. I don't want to get too much more because of time, and I want to give us a few minutes to get ready for a business meeting. But I want, this is something you may want to ask questions about. If you stay for a business meeting, especially if you're not a Baptist, you'll see that functioning tonight. You'll see us do that, which is an important part of who we are. But does anybody have any questions they'd like to ask about any of that? Don't hesitate. I'll be happy to answer. Oh, okay. That's good. I'm glad you have no questions. I'm, I'm glad I explained it either really lousy or really well. I don't know.